Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear. The kingdom is alive. The kingdom's on the move with the poor and the meek and the hungry and the lonely. I'll never forget it. Well, it's an honor to be talking with Bonnie Dwyer again for the Adventist Voices podcast. Uh, Thanks for joining us today, Bonnie. Hi, Alex. Thanks for inviting me. And I'm here at the Spectrum office for a special um, episode of this in which we're going to be focused on annual council. For how many years have you been paying attention to annual council, Bonnie? My first time at annual council was actually back in the 1980s, and I haven't been attending every year since then. But I have every year since, I think, um, I started editing the journal in 1998, so for 20 years. Wow. Well, you're the perfect person to talk with. Um, So we've got annual council coming up soon, and could you just kind of paint a picture of what it's like being there uh, since you've been going for so many years? The meetings uh, are following a lot of what are called pre-session meetings. So the various uh, church officials from around the world have gathered uh, in Silver Spring and have been holding um, smaller meetings for a couple of weeks, uh, trying to agree on what will be on the agenda and uh, how things should be presented. On Thursday night... The 345 members of the executive committee will be registering their presence or not uh, for the actual meeting. And then on Friday, uh, Thursday night and Friday, there will be what is called the LEAD conference. And that is different every year. It's an educational type of uh, seminar. And Uh, It has been conducted, for instance, in the past by the education department in in which it was totally focused on Adventist education. Last year it was um, Adventist history uh, since we were in Battle Creek, and the focus was on various aspects of Adventist history. And finances have uh, been a topic in the past. I have no idea what it will be this year uh, because that has not been shared yet uh, publicly. So that's the start. And then Sabbath morning, there will be a worship service and Ted uh, Wilson, the president of the general conference, will preach for that. Then the actual business meetings of the annual council start on Sunday and they will run uh, through Wednesday and there will be lots of different things on it including finances and you know whatever else they have decided they need to talk about. Sure so let's talk a little bit about who will be there you mentioned 345 participants Um, who are they? Sure Um, first of all The divisions, the 14 international divisions of the church and their officers, so their president, their treasurer, their secretary, their under-treasurer, under-secretary, and all of that, are um, they make up 
what is called the General Conference and Division Officers. So that's one of the pre-meeting groups, but then they also are part of the Executive Committee. Then the 135 Union Conference Presidents from around the world are part of that. And then every division has uh, a given number of uh, spots to be filled with conference presidents, pastors, lay people, institutional representatives. And so there's there's kind of a mixture. And I think that number is um, based quite a bit on your uh, church membership numbers in that region. Okay. So there are... Um some important issues coming up. In fact, um, it seems like there's about four main issues that folks are uh, paying attention to as we go into this annual council. Can you talk about uh, the first one and why you think that might be important? Well, the one that everyone has been curious about, and we've actually been hearing a lot of rumors about is the whole compliance committee setup that was voted last year in Battle Creek. And those committees have not met, and so everybody has been wondering, well, what's going to happen with these committees? And we've heard that uh, the administrative committee of the General Conference voted to eliminate the compliance committees. Okay. Um, And that is where they got created, uh, which makes sense. But I think because they are key to uh, some of the actions that were taken at Battle Creek, that it uh, would be uh, likely that they will be brought up on the floor. Part of the rumors that have been going around is that, well, Maybe they're going to do away with the committees, but that doesn't mean that they are going to do away with expecting compliance and that maybe they'll just move right from, okay, you're out of compliance to some kind of sanctions to a number of church officials. And I understand there's quite a bit of debate about that. Uh, so that seems uh, odd to me um, that there was quite a bit of brouhaha about the formation of these committees, getting them voted through, a lot of controversy about how exactly those votes took place and how legitimate they were. Um, so what's going on here? Well, you know, uh, I don't know that anyone knows the whole story Uh, There have been a number of different kinds of ways of explaining it. Uh, Recently, I heard one person uh, that is a church official say, well, you can understand this all if you realize the difference between the World Church and the General Conference. And the point in this being that Elder Wilson was elected president of the General Conference, but he functions and can, seems to consider himself president of, this, of the world church. And there is a big difference between those two. Uh, the president of the general conference has defined uh, boundaries to his actions that uh, if you are assuming that you are president of the world church, then you, you can do anything. 
and um, but president of the general conference, not so much because the unions and the divisions and and all of that have their own constituencies uh, that they report to and are bound by. And so that plays into the mix as well. And that seems to get kind of pushed aside at the point where uh, one talks about president of the world church and has an understanding of that position as something uh, kind of above it all. And whether it is above it all or not probably remains the question to be seen. So are you saying that when I read in the Adventist Review, uh, Ted Wilson, president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church, that that's misleading? Uh, well, and I, I have heard that there have been debates at the review uh, among the copy editors uh, about that very thing. And uh, I think his official title is President of the General Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Uh-huh. And that's a specific organization. That's a very specific title. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't think that there really is a position, uh, technically speaking, of president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I realize that that's a technicality and and we're kind of dealing in fine nuance in our understanding of that. Uh, And, you know, in many ways, technically speaking, sure, he is president of the world church. But if operationally that that has implications sure in fact i think that a lot of church leaders feel like those implications are uh well that that um is an overreach and it's impacting the way that the church is allowed to um, be adaptive to its local mission when you have somebody who is treating themselves as the um sort of overlord of the entire church and not letting other presidents do their work. So let's get ne- to the next uh, topic that you're paying attention to. Which is tithe parity. Ah, exciting. Um, money. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Follow the money. <laughs> and at the um, meeting of the North American Division Executive Committee last fall, they voted to ask for tithe parity among all the divisions. And they were requesting parity because right now the North American division gives over 6% of its tithe to the General Conference for its operations. And all of the other world divisions only give 2%. And they feel like uh, that should be equalized. The decision about how much each division gives to the general conference does go through uh, the executive committee to vote. And so that request from the North American division to move more quickly to tithe parity uh, is going to be a very important discussion because that really affects the future of the general conference operations uh, if that amount of tithe, which, you know, could, if you cut the North American division tithe back from over 6% to 2%, you know, you're, you're, you're talking $35 million. Uh, and that's kind of a big swing. Yeah. 
Yeah, because the general conference doesn't really generate its own revenue like the Correct. the rest of the um, church structure does. Right. So uh, we've talked about power. We've talked about money. Let's talk about sex. <laughs> <laughs> I understand abortion. <laughs> if there wasn't enough controversy, they decided to bring abortion into the conversation. Yes, I. I <laughs> they have, and there is. Uh, a new statement coming from the Biblical Research Institute about abortion that will be uh, discussed. And we'll just see where that goes. It becomes controversial at the point where it moves away from being guidelines, uh, which is what we have presently, to being more of a statement. And it's more as I understand it, I have not read it yet, but uh, what people who have been in the process of talking about it have said is that the new statement is very much a theological treatise as opposed to guidelines. And in that process of moving away from the form somewhat of guidelines to more theological statement, the um, the nuance and uh, dialogical uh, decision making that is implied within the guidelines gets lost, and the ability to be able to adjust to extreme circumstances uh, is not there. Um, so we'll see. Maybe that will all be resolved before it comes to the floor. But it is interesting that, once again, we are looking at discussion of a document that has not been shared widely and is going to be sprung on the delegates um, when they get there. And then they are immediately going to have to be voting on something that has really enormous implications within um, the healthcare uh, side of the church. Sure. And, and past that, I mean, I've had some people say, well, you know, really the percentage of abortions that take place within Adventist hospitals is very small, that there are probably more abortions among the members of the church than there are at the hospitals. Mm-hmm. So, you know, where should, where should the focus be Uh, If you are coming up with guidelines, should there be guidelines for how you have as a pastor a conversation with uh, a young woman who is facing this decision? Uh, You know, where where do you go at that point? Yeah. You know, I listened in on a conversation among um, bioethicists and um, healthcare providers about this, and they made that point, um, and they're concerned that with the church issuing a theological statement, um, that the um, the medical community, community, um, certainly the bioethics um, professionals and institutional leaders, have not really been able to participate in this process. Is that what you've been finding? Well, I know that they they have been talked to at key points. Okay. But okay, so but here's a for instance. Uh, they 
convened a Zoom phone call of the people at the general conference. They, they created, just within the last two months, they created a committee to work on this. BRI had been working on it for two years, okay. uh, kind of all by itself over in a corner. Okay. And then all of a sudden, they're now realizing, well, we ought to talk to a few more people. So two months ago, they created this 26-member committee of people at the GC and had them kind of talking about it. And then at, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, they brought in some of the healthcare professionals and administrators uh, to discuss this, but they would not allow them to have the document. They read the document to them over the phone and then said, so what do you think? And they did not take any kind of a vote there were comments that were made and the phone call closed with, okay, well, we heard what you had to say. Uh, we'll take it from here. And so that, um, you know, kind of just briefly showing it to people and then yanking it away uh, so that they can go back and, and kind of massage it more does not instill a lot of confidence or make the health uh, professionals feel like that they are trusted partners, I think is, and I think that's too bad. Yeah. Uh, because I think the church needs to be able to work together and, and have a conversation together without this, but you can't see it until I'm all done with it. Yeah. And, and that's happening again. And no matter what the statement ends up being, to me, I feel bad about that process, and I wish that we could trust each other more. Yeah. So. Okay, so what is the final topic <laughs> that you're looking forward to reporting on? Well, this is the meeting that sets up the general conference session in 2020. And so there will be um, all kinds of things related to 2020. Okay. And, and I, I really can't even enumerate all of them. Um, but I'm assuming that we'll be looking at what the numbers are like for the various divisions, how many delegates are there going to be, you know, uh, what I know one of the things will be church manual. So I would expect that we will have all the proposed revisions for the church manual because that those have to be voted at general conference. So they have to bring those to annual council for everybody to look at and say, yes, this is okay to take to uh, GC. So GC session will be the other major topic. And and finances, you know, we talked type parity, which will be part of the finances, but finances are always um, a major part. So, Okay, well, um, you've made me excited about reading your reporting coming up. Do you have any kind of final thoughts on um, annual council, other things that we should pay attention to as good, uh, faithful, uh, Adventists and Spectrum readers? Well, um, maybe this will help you decide whether or not you want to watch what is going on because the meetings are live streamed and you can go to the executive committee portal uh, for the general conference and there's a little button there if you want to watch live. The theme for the meeting this year is Reach the World, 
faithfulness in Christian lifestyle. Hmm. And um, so let me read you, for instance, the titles for the devotionals that will be each morning. I can hardly wait. Okay. Uh, On Sunday morning, Neil Nedley, who is president of Weimar, Hmm. will be discussing wholeness in Christ and our commitment to his health principles. Okay. Monday, Vicki Griffith, Director of Health Ministries for the Michigan Conference, will be speaking on God's leading in my life and yours. I'm detecting a theme. Okay. Ross Grant on Tuesday morning, a physician at Sydney Adventist Hospital in Australia. Lifestyle choice and our ability to connect with God. Mm-hmm. I wonder where that's going. Uh, Ron Kelly on Wednesday morning, senior pastor of the Village Church in Berrien Springs, Michigan, will speak on complete restoration in Christ, physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. Okay. So there is a very personal side to um, the conversation that is maybe a little different than all the institutional things that I've just kind of been going through. All those other things were... A lot of institutional issues, but it's looking like they want to address the personal side of, of Christian life as well. Okay, well, I'll be watching the live stream while drinking a cup of coffee, <laughs> just to stay balanced. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be drinking water. <laughs> <laughs> you make us so proud. Well, it's been great talking with you, Bonnie. Thank you so much for uh, going over to the General Conference and um, paying attention to all of this on behalf of your community. Thanks, Alex. Fun as always. Bye-bye. Yes, I knew Sister White. We will not fear.